Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red Feathers. Crazy game, huh? <laughs> we, of course, are going to be chopping up Liverpool 4, Tottenham Hotspur 3. On your way in, guys, we ask you every week because it really does help support the channel. Hit that like button. If you like the content, subscribe and share it out to all your friends, whether they're a Liverpool fan or football fan in general. You see what kind of content that Grizz and the guys put out every day. So make sure you go and do that. Hit the notification bell as well. Let you know when we're going live. And just prior as well, so you don't miss anything. Guys, we'll go through the game, of course. We'll go through a bit of formalities as well. But um, how are you guys doing? Bank holiday weekend for us all, I'm sure. So, Conroy, you feeling good? Yeah, no, feeling feeling good after that. I, I know we, we'll discuss the game. Bit of a mixed emotions, to be honest. At, at the end, very happy, but we'll break it down. But, yeah, no, it's much better when you get the Monday off. Um, as well, which is absolutely outstanding. Uh, it allows us to fully have a fairy possession and then have a long lie the next day. So very much looking forward to that. But yeah, doing good. Thanks, Cav. It's crazy, isn't it? Because we do these Redfellas show and all this season it's been either therapy or just enjoying what game we've just witnessed. I don't know with this one, genuinely. Some people are really happy about what they've seen. Some people are really angry. But Steve, just in general, how are you doing and what were your thoughts overall on the game? In general, mate, yeah, all good, thanks. Um, no complaints. In terms of the game, that's the 33 games or the previous 32 games we've played this season, we've seen 
sort of a snapshot of that in 90 minutes from, from really good for, for the first 20 to completely blasé, taking your mind off it, forgetting to do the things that you should do, to almost capitulating and collapsing and losing it or getting to a point where it would feel like a loss and we'll, we'll break this down and talk more, to the euphoria of, 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 of Diogo Jota. It, it's draining. That game took it took everything out of everybody today. It's a roller coaster of emotions, quite simply. Draining, mate, is, is the only way I can look at that game. And that's that's quite often the case with Liverpool, though, isn't it? You get given the highs, you know, Champions League nights, power of Anfield and all of this, and then you get games and performances that are just so questionable and you can't quite wrap your head around. It felt like today's game just had all of that, as you said. And I felt like at times during the game, I'm ecstatic. Then I'm really disappointed while still getting ahead. And then ultimately just elation at the end. But we'll chop it all up. Um, guys, there's a, there's a lot there's, to chop. There's a lot to chop off as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of talking points. We've got goals. We've got goal line clearances. We've got yellow cards. We've got potential red cards. We've got return of star players. Yeah, we've got it all. We, we'll go through it. But just before we do, of course, if you join us every Sunday night for Red Bellies, you know that our channel sponsors is your FUT card. Um, go to these guys if you want to get your sort of banners and your FUT card. Customised, of course, you can put your own image on there, do your own um, abilities and attributes. There's loads and loads of different templates that you can use, as you can see. Um, if you go scroll down, you've got Europa League ones, flashback, treble. If you know FIFA, you know F you know um, FIFA Ultimate Team, you'll recognise all this stuff, but it's really genuine, great content, uh, quality, sorry. Um, banners as well. Um, so head over to these guys if you need anything like that. You might... You suggested it, Conroy. A good one might be that Jota one. If you see his celebration he did today after scoring the winner where he does his, uh, his uh, holding the controller because obviously he's an avid FIFA player, um, you might just want to go with something like that. Of course. So, some, some might say that's his. this is his second career and that's actually his, his primary career. You never know because he's pretty you good. Know, pretty good. <laughs> He's good at both, to be fair. So fair play to him. Yeah, I think he could. I think he come out the other week and said that he doesn't even stress about playing football anymore. He stresses more <laughs> about playing FIFA, which is crazy, absolutely yeah, crazy. But um, yeah, head over to your FUT guys. Um, if you have any questions, um, of course, click this bit at the bottom. It says chat with us, and just put in whatever you um, need to get out of them. There's some uh, ready-made sort of uh, questions in there, but if you can't find anything that sort of suits what you need just write a message they'll come back to you quite quickly and sort out anything that you might need once you get to the checkout put in red fellas 15 as you can see well red fellas sorry at the bottom of the banner that you can see that'll give you 15 percent off your overall order so make sure you head over to there and check that out guys conroy we'll start at the beginning as you say there's a lot to get through um line up just uh, a few changes in there from the previous out in um, talk to me, what was your thoughts when you seen this come out before the game? Um, do you know, okay with it to be honest mate, um, I think the back four, Kanati coming back uh, replacing Matip, Matip obviously scored the winner against West Ham played pretty well, you know, de decent enough but I think you always knew that um, Kanati was going to come back in if uh, fully fit to start, um, Jones I think keep his place, he's played quite well and we'll talk about his goal today and um, the only one, obviously Henderson put to the bench and Elliot came in I was when I did see that, I thought to myself, Jones and Elliot in that midfield. But to be honest, for this season, what we've had, um, there's been a lot of poor performances in midfield in general. So 
I was being as optimistic as I could today. I didn't I didn't feel look at that and think, you know what, it's going to be a disaster because ultimately Spurs have been on the ropes and have started the past two games very poorly. Even with the comeback against United, started that game poor and obviously got absolutely battered by Newcastle. Pretty happy with that. The only one was obviously Diaz came in. I think Jota started on the bench because um, if I missed that guy's was that a fitness issue or was it a slight knock? I know he'd, he'd started on the bench, so obviously Diaz coming first start. Um, since he's returned, I was looking forward to seeing that, to be honest. So, yeah, I was quite happy. I think, to be perfectly honest, I'm not usually arrogant when it comes to oppositions at all. I think you've got to give them respect. I know Klopp, Klopp gave um, Spurs respect in the pre-match, saying they're the, the, uh, the best or one of the best attack, counter-attacking teams in the world. But for me, um, the Spurs team was very beatable, um, even based on confidence or just personnel. You've seen other teams exploit that recently. So I was quite happy with that starting lineup to, that we could get the result today. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. I think the Elliot for Henderson one made sense. Henderson had yeah. played a number of games back to back and um, had a little bit of criticism over the past couple, at least, for his performances. Yeah. Uh, Matip, as you say, scored the winner last time out and, and played really well. But Canate, um, I think Klopp had come out to say that it wasn't actually an injury. It was just he was due a bit of a a bit of a break um, in the last game. So it made sense for him to come back in, especially when you think about the threat of Son, who I know hasn't had a great season by his own standards, but he always seems to turn up against Liverpool pace, running in behind. You, you'd back Canate to sort of deal with that threat a bit better than perhaps Matip. Um, but the most notable one, Steve, for me, which I'm sure all Liverpool fans were so, so excited to see, was, was Diaz. He comes in for Jota, who I think in the last game got a knock in the back. He continued to play, but um, seemed mm. to affect his performance. I think Klopp confirmed that as well in the press conference. But Diaz... What were you were you happy? You must have been to see this guy back in the lineup, right? Oh, absolutely. He came in last season and made a, a real impact right from the from the get-go, really. Um they couldn't believe how quickly he'd settled in and how quickly he understood what we were trying to do. Re- really bad injury, obviously six months out. Um severe knee injury that didn't sort of rehabilitate properly and then back out again. So really good to have him back in. Um I kind of think that should be a starting berth for him going forward. I think that's the position for him to play in until such time as Mo Salah does his next thing at another club or, or finishes his career at Liverpool. And then it's probably Diaz on the right and then we would probably go with Nunes maybe down the left. Who knows what the future holds, but Diaz is a, is a, is a welcome return. Um, obviously, scores his great goal today. Um, it just sits, sits with the balance of the team a little bit better. I know we talk about... Nunes is tremendous off that left side and scored loads of goals for his previous club off that left side. Still a bit sort of, every time you watch him, it's, it's the unknown. You don't know what he's going to do. I don't think he knows what he's going to do. There's maybe a little bit more balance in regards to this one. So, yeah, really good to have him back. Um, this is sort of restarted Liverpool career now, really, isn't it? Following the injury, um, he's, a, he's a really exciting player to watch. As you're on the edge of your seat, he's mega offensive as soon as he gets the ball faces up his man and wants to beat him um just just an absolutely superb player and really 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 good to have him back in the side yeah totally i mean you see him from his substitute appearances coming on in the last couple of games that he's still got that sharpness and that you know wanting to go at people and make things happen he's a he's a willing runner and he's a he's a good defender as well works hard for the team so i wasn't particularly worried about him coming back in i know some fans perhaps had a bit of a 
the fear that maybe it would be too soon, but you have to trust the medical department and, and Klopp. If they put him in this lineup, then he's surely got to be ready. And we'll talk about his performance along with the other guys. Uh, I thought he was he was justified in his selection. Um, shows is a 4-3-3, but of course, as we know, Trent moves into that midfield position. It seemed to be something we continued with again in this game. I think after, what, is this the Kramer from going at the fourth game, fifth game that we've tried this system out now? I think fifth yeah yeah so it looks like something we'll be sticking with um and to be fair today was was a good test because although spurs haven't been playing particularly well they have three really good forwards that are going to put that back line to the test especially and uh son maybe would have exploited that area that uh trent would have op- uh, occupied so i thought it was good to see and it's a good test i think as we sort of go into these games for the remainder of the season yes we want to sort of Challenge as much as we can for the top four. At the very least, get Europe, maybe Europa League in fifth spot. But we want to learn about this team. We want to learn about this system. And you can only do that by playing the games and playing good opposition. So it was good to see that we tried this out again. Um, so, yeah, that's the lineup. Let's get straight into the game. Got loads to talk about. And usually we say, how do you feel we started the game? But... <laughs> When you score a goal inside two minutes, you start the game perfectly, right, Conroy? That goal was, it came about, it was scored and assisted by probably two of the people that have spoken about the most with regards to this this new style. Um, Trent, obviously, picking out Curtis at the back stick. How did you feel when that goal went in and talk to me about how it came about? No, I thought it was, it was obviously a, a quick start. You can maybe say similarities to the way Newcastle last Sunday went at Spurs. I know they obviously played slightly different formation. They played a four at the back then and started with a five today, but felt like we, we wanted to try and get at them quickly, try, try and blitz them per se if possible. Um, so I think you would work it down the right um, for a member. Uh, yeah, Salah gets it, um, pushes the fence out to him. And then Trent, as you say, is occupying the inverted role in the cent- kind of centre of the park position, but he actually does end up at he kind of more used to right back role because he kind of is at that that position for the moment. Gets it cut back, and um, I I think it's as soon as I saw it past him, I did see to the corner of my eye through the, through the TV that you could see Jones was free, like more space than usual. It seemed po- uh, is it Poro is the best way to pronounce his name. He kind of got sucked into the middle. So Trent plays a great a great pass, but to be honest, food and drink for Trent. He's played that for a long time now. He's he's got that in the locker. Finds Jones at the back post. And you know what? The best thing about this goal for me is it looks like a confident finish. First time on the left foot. Connection's brilliant. It isn't off the shin. It is, it's great. Left foot, low to the keeper, goes under. Foster, but to be fair, I think he hits it that well that the keeper can't even react. It's past him before he can get a hand out. It's a great finish and um, it's an absolutely stupendous start. And I feel like Obviously, that gets the crowd going anyway, but it's what you want, and it really was a, a great goal. And it just shows as well that we'll talk about the pros and cons of using Trent in this way, but at times you can go back to that position as well and still be such a threat. So, yeah, it was a great goal. And do you know what? Fair play to Curtis. I'd been listening to a few podcasts throughout this week talking about the sample size of games recently, saying, do you know what? You know, Curtis is showing, you know, he's ready. Not for me. We do this all the time. We need to calm it down a bit. It's a couple of games. We're always like up so high, and then as soon as they do one, we bring drag them back down. We need to keep a, a kind of medium medium effort here for me. And I think he's played well, but this was a really big moment for me for him because I felt like it showed that you know 
you know, a statement's maybe the wrong word, but it did feel like a very big moment for him to hopefully can kick on and, and maintain that form. So I was very happy for Jones. And I think you've seen it with celebration as well, Cav. Mm. You could tell it was like a kind of anger's the wrong word, but that, that type you could see the what's the word? Um no, not exhilaration. You could just see it was like I would say it was quite a aggressive celebration. It was maybe a relief to him to mm. get that goal. So it was a great start. Yeah, I think relief, maybe just a bit of a justification of his selection. You know, he's come in and he started the past, what, four or five games now. And um, a lot of fans have been questioning why, because, you know, we expected a lot from him. And he has kind of staggered in his career, mainly because of his sort of injury record and what have you. But Klopp's picked him for this new system. And I think he's been performing well. I've sort of lowered my expectation a little bit with him, not expecting too many goals or assists. But I'm expecting him to be, you know, press resistant, keep hold of the ball well, be neat and tidy and just facilitate some of the more offensive, creative players to go and do their work. A little bit Genie-esque, but I probably won't go as far as that because Genie was an exceptional player for us. But it's, I think, justification of his selection. You know, he comes in and he gets that goal. So now he can at least get that sort of monkey off his back of being in the team and not really contributing with goals. He obviously did get an assist with the... um, where he played it through to Jota in the, the couple of games ago. But yeah, just that just that sort of justification, that relief yeah. to contribute. And also to get the first goal. You know, Liverpool, for the most part of the season, have started games and, and conceded the first goal. And we can't, you know, we're on an uphill battle. Whereas we started the game well, we're passing it nice. There's a good tempo, which the system has provided us in the past few games. But to get that first goal is like, cool, build confidence now, get the crowd back on side. Steve, what were your thoughts on that first goal? Because Trent, it just looks like he just puts it on a plate for Curtis, but you shouldn't downplay the the ability that this kid has and, and the level of that cross because we see it time and time again. We kind of take it for granted, but every time he gets around that 18-yard box, you just know he's going to put it into a decent area or pick out his man, and that's exactly what he does, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. And I don't think we should be talking with surprise in our voice anymore because this is totally natural to this kid. He's got everything. He's got every pass in the locker, which is why I moved him into midfield. It's a big, big help for Liverpool. In terms of the goal, um, just just, just absolutely superb. He, he makes Curtis Jones mind up for him with the pass. And, he's, and he's, he's calm, collected, and he finishes it really well. Only one player, one full-back, I think, or one player's uh, made five assists in five games in a row. And it's trends and he's done it twice. So it shouldn't be a surprise that, that you know this guy's a, an exceptional talent. I, I re- I'm always reluctant to use the word generational because I think you can use generational when someone's career is finished. So if we give you an example, R9 was a generational talent because in his era, he was the best of his generation, which makes him generational. I think it's too early to call current players generational for me. Um, but he's absolutely superb. And his, his assists, good to see him back in. Probably be closing in on Robbo's record now, won't he? Because he must be getting closer now. Um, but to have two fullbacks with over fifty Premier League assists is absolutely ridiculous. And and given his age, um, he's going to go on and make a number of assists that no defender um, or no one in his position will get anywhere near ever again. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it, and as I said at the start, Cav, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that he's doing this because he's got all the ability in the world. And this, this new role he's in keeps him interested throughout the game. He doesn't drift out of it. He doesn't become lackadaisical. He's high energy, high intensity, wants the ball all the time. 
You can put Thiago on the other side, who's arguably one of the best ball-playing centre midfielders in the world, and Trent will still see the ball more than he will. It's just the way it is, and it's the way he wants to play, and he's going from strength to strength, but doesn't come without its issues, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah, so look, we get the first goal, as you guys have spoken about, and then very quickly after that, we get a second goal, which is just, it, it, at this point, you're thinking, brilliant, quality. We come to expect this from Spurs. They conceded five early goals against Newcastle. They conceded an early goal against United. But you still have to go out there and you still have to put the ball in the back of the net. You still have to play well enough to do that. And that's exactly what we did. And the man to get it is the returning Diaz and his celebration. You could just see that outpour of emotion. That's that's him just, you know, telling the crowd, telling himself that all of that hard work to get back fit and get back in this team has paid off. And Steve, I'll come back to you. The ball into the box, but the finish... It's it's crazy, right? He's diving at it. And at the time, I thought he'd do well to get there. But not only does he do that, he gets his foot round it and puts it past Borster at the at the front post. Brilliant, brilliant goal, right? Yeah, everything's brilliant. The ball out wide, I think it's the Salah. Gakpo makes an absolutely superb run. You can't not talk about the intelligence of Gakpo for this goal. The run's amazing. Gets to the byline, pulls the ball back. It's done a lot of work for Diaz to do. As you quite rightly referenced there, does it really well. Uh, gives Forster no chance. This is gonna we're gonna see a lot more of this because Gakpo's got the intelligence to get into positions where he can pull the ball back. What do we always say about our chief rivals, notably Manchester City, is that they are the best exponents of getting to the byline and pulling the ball back into the box, which is nigh on impossible to deal with if you're a defender because it's travelling in the opposite direction to where you're going. You're going back towards your goal and the ball's gone past you. And someone's come on to it and they've scored. So you get your rewards if you can create options and angles and get those balls in. That that goal is all about the, the IQ of Cody Gapo, the run, the pull back. And then when the ball's there for, for Diaz, no one's going to beat him to the ball. It's, it sees his moment. Like you say, great technique, great finish. And it's kind of like, I'm back. That's, that's a celebration, just says I'm back. And, you know, I said before, you asked me about how good does it feel to have him back in the side. That, that speaks dividend. That speaks volumes and dividends already being repaid for having him in the team. But I just wanted to say we shouldn't forget Cody Gakpo's role in that goal. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Go on, Conroy. Go on. Can I just add to this? I think um, I 100% agree with Steve. I think um, this guy is just, he obviously came in at a time where we weren't in great form. We've still been up and down, but he just seems to be getting better and better. And I, I, I can understand why we signed him now. And it, it does seem going to calm down, but it does seem that they've, they've acted on this price because it was such a, a a great price for what they could see, the potential of a player. And for me, I compare him to other new signings. We've had Diaz, Nunes. I don't think that none of them gel and link up as quickly or, or as in footballly intelligent as Cody Gakpo. He just seems to be ahead just seems to know where people are. And it's interesting that Diaz gets that goal, but I just feel that he puts things together so well, Gakpo, that maybe even take him off later in this game. We can go about that later because ultimately we're poor in the second half. But if you actually break down the amount of goals and assists, he wins a penalty as well. He's just having such a good effect in this team. And I feel like you can just tell when you watch him, he's just much, he's got such a higher football IQ than other people in the park. Like, you can just see it. 
He just knows where he is. He knows where other people are. And I just think it's been a tremendous acquisition. I feel it could be a tremendous acquisition, sorry. Just like my own mantra, not to go too far. I think he's shown a lot of signs of why we purchased him. And yeah, I'm so impressed. Every game right now, I'm impressed with Gakpo. So I just wanted to add that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you kind of forget that we only brought him in January because he plays with this team like he's been here all season. He, of course, hasn't. Um, you do expect that sort of technical ability and that intelligence on the pitch from Dutch players, but he definitely has got that. And the thing I like about um, Gakpo is his link-up and these patterns of play that he seems to be getting with Salah now. That ball that Salah plays into him, where he's running in and behind sort of the defender and the fullback to the byline, we've seen that a few times now. You know, the, the best um, example of it is when he thinks it over De Gea in the United win, but it's still that, you know, slide ball pass that Salah plays into him. And it's always good to see similar types of passes because that goes to show you that these players are starting to recognise each other's games. And the more they can do that, the more fluid we will become and the better attacks we'll create and more attacks we'll create, obviously. So, yeah, Gakpo's involvement in that game, in that goal was brilliant. So, 2-0 up, he wasn't happy enough. You must be. You're in dreamland when uh, the man we just spoke about, you know, the dancing feet gets taken down in the box and uh, we win our penalty. Conroy, we obviously go on to score, but there was a few seconds, certainly from what we could see on the TV, of um, deliberating who was going to take it. Was there any doubt in your mind that the man that had previously missed the two penalties that we'd had in this league was going to step up and took it away? Yes, absolutely, because he's missed two penalties. <laughs> Let's not act like it's all fine. Honestly, it's like you mentioned Fabinho's got a quality record. I think if James Milner's on that part and we're not 2-0 up, but it's, we're already 2-0 up, so it's not a pressure pain, is it, to a certain extent? You can maybe argue it is, but I feel like in that situation, Salah's taking it. There's mm. probably been discussion. I think, it, I think it is because... You can be 2-0 ahead against Spurs, but I think if there's there's a few teams in this league where even 2-0 up is still a, a risky scoreline, especially with so much of the game to go as well. And we've seen it from Spurs with their comeback against United only in the previous game. I think it is a lot of pressure on the but penalty. Come on, last minute. Born, Bournemouth to, to level, skies it, you know, Arsenal to, to level, hits it wide. They are like, you know, you need to get back in the game. You're already feeling confident. You've, um, you know, you've, you've, you're playing well. You've, you've played a good pass as well. You know, for the first goal, sorry, second goal. I feel like he was taking that there. But you know, I think there is question for it. I don't think we should be like just completely gloss over that. I feel like he, he's missed two pressure penalty kicks, but ultimately stepped up this one, done a tactical penalty because he knows there's not many keepers are going to stand down in the middle. And he also hit high, which is quite clever as well. Yeah, so you know, I was I was not sure if it was because you said Fabinho's on the park, he's got a pretty good record as well. Trent, we've talked about his um technique from the spot, but fair enough, he stands up and third time lucky for him. But yeah, for me, I was I wasn't sure to be honest. And it will be interesting, he'll probably stay on them now. But if he misses one more, it will be interesting because that will be be free this season. But ultimately, it's good for his confidence, he scores it, and it's a very, very good penalty. I would say as well, Romero's challenged like. Don't know what it is with Romero. Like when he first came in, he was quite calm at Spurs. And I, I obviously I'm a big Messi fan, so I watched every Argentina game in the World Cup. Now, the way Argentina do defend, it is that be aggressive. Don't be stupid like that, but be aggressive, you know, let them know you're there. Not not on the edge of the penalty box. But if, it seems like as soon as he came back from the World Cup, it's like he's when he's over egging that, if you know what I mean. Whereas it was like that works if you're all in it together and you pick your moments, but 
It's a brainless challenge. Like, why are you trying to slide in there? I think it's not just Gakpo. Diaz is just behind him as well. So it's like he could easily mistimed that, which he does. And yeah, it's a... Uh, and ironically, the Tottenham player, when he makes the challenge that comes to Diaz, the other Tottenham player actually blocks the shot anyway. So it wasn't like last ditch, you know. It was a very strange challenge. But yeah, very good tactical penalty by Mo. I'd actually like to see more penalty kick takers do that. I don't know if any of you seen the Emmy Martinez thing uh, during the week with Ian Wright. When he said, as soon as he saved the penalty off Kingsley Coman, he said to Dybala, hit it down the middle because there's no way a goalkeeper is going to risk being embarrassed by staying down the middle in the first pen following you saving a penalty. So I think in those situations, it's like just hit it high down the middle. It's, it's very rare you see a keeper, especially if they're 2-0 down as well, stand mm. in the middle for a penalty. So I think it was a very good tactical penalty by Moen. Free up, you know, we're, we're loving life. We're thinking, could this be another Newcastle like last weekend? You know, let's, you know, I was going to say stand on their neck, but that's not a very good analogy. But, you know, keep the gas on, keep pushing. Ultimately, mm. that didn't happen though. And we'll discuss that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just on the penalty, when I was watching it in my head, I'm thinking, just don't go down the middle. Don't go down the middle. I'm thinking, you've you've missed the previous two. The easiest thing would be to go down the middle and make sure you get it on target. And that, surely, if Forster's done his homework, he would know that you'd do that. Keepers don't do it. They'd rather, like, I'm sure there's some, but, like, it just, they look stupid. Even though it's not a stupid tactic, but see when someone puts a penalty in and you stand down the middle... I don't know. It seems to be a psychological thing, but listen, yeah. it works, mate. So I, I, my favourite one is um, see when you hit it hard and it's just like, but just raise it a little bit. Like what Salah done, mm. but he passed it. I like that one because it's like, even if the keeper does stand, they may not get it. But listen, I think it was a very smart penalty, to be fair to Mo. I think it was quite intelligent kicking. You were obviously panicking when he when he, when he seen the direction, but <laughs> he lifted it, and I was like, "Don't lift it! Don't it, lift it!" It was a bit Please. higher than I think he meant. By the way, I think it was a little bit higher because it was it was great, but it was just a little bit higher than I think he he planned. But great penalty. Yeah, and it gets that not monkey off his back, but you know, he missed his previous yeah. two. It's important that he just steps up and tucks it away. It puts to bed the question of who's going to be up and that we take a moving forward. It will be for Mo now. He's on, for the, now. on the pitch. For now, yeah. For now. I think if Mo's on the pitch, he's probably going to be taking up. Yeah. Um, 3-0 up. Spurs look like they don't know what they're doing. They're being Spurs again. Um, <laughs> defenders are all over the place. I think they said in commentary it's gone from a team that We'd usually press high up the pitch and with multiple players to a team that's been taught how to drop deep and be a bit more pragmatic. And now they're caught up in between not knowing what to do. And they said they don't press because they don't have triggers, which I think is quite true from what they said on commentary. We were just controlling the ball. We were knocking it around. We were creating triangles. The tempo was good. Everything was going great, right? 3-0 up crowd are on side. I think even the Spurs fans started to leave at 3-0, some of them. The rest of them were chanting, you're not fit to wear the shirt. And you're thinking, this is great. You know, we've not had many good games to enjoy this season, but we're at Anfield, the new system, players back fit. This is exactly what we want. This is the Liverpool we know and love. Well, on, on that, Cav, just quickly, just wanted to ask you a question. See, when it hit 3-0, and Steve, to both of you guys, did you did 7-0 Man United just start ringing in your head? I know that was obviously second half, but that that was actually my first thought. You know, we've, we've hit seven this season. Can we go, and maybe not hit seven, but really, you really go for it again? What was your thoughts at that moment, Cav? Yeah, I'm thinking exactly that. I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking, go out and get the goals because 
as I mentioned earlier, Spurs can come back into games. They're stronger in the second half um, and they can get goals. Son's not played particularly well this season, but he's always a threat against the runs, His runs are always good. See, especially the way we play, he's always quite clever with his runs. And I, I agree. Exactly. exactly. He was always going to get chances in behind. It was just a case of whether Alisson could, you know, stop him one-on-one. Um and then obviously the threat of Kane is always there, dropping in deep, look, picking his head up, picking out his teammates, always gets a goal, usually against Liverpool. And then um, Kulevsky, he's been out through injury, um, not done particularly well since coming back, in my opinion, but he is still a good player. Left footed, comes inside, links up with the other two guys up there. So they do carry a threat and they've shown that they can score goals. So I'm thinking that we need to get more goals to sort of put the game to bed, crazy enough as it sounds, being 3 0 up. But also, I'm thinking, yeah, why why not? You know, we're at Anfield, we've, we're feeling confident, the tempo's there, the rhythm's there, you know, we've got options off the bench. This is all really feeling good, you know, and we're enjoying this. Why not continue just to make this a bit of a wrap? But, Steve, I'll come to you. 3 0 up, 20 minutes gone. Um, it changed slightly, didn't it? What changed for you? Mentality. There was a stage where they put about eight or nine passes together to get out. We had them under pressure and the, and the Liverpool fans were playfully giving them the old age when they were making those passes. And then there was a, the, the point where it all changed for me was they played the ball out to the box. The guy who picked the ball up was so slow. Salah comes out 20 yards and nicks the ball off him. Just like comes from nowhere and takes the ball off him. That seemed to be a catalyst for them to go, we don't need to try. We've got this. This is so easy. We don't need to try. And I remember reading Alan Hansen's autobiography some time ago when he said in the tunnel before the 88 Cup final against Wimbledon, he'd recognised the mentality of the players and he never for one moment thought they would win that FA Cup final. When you change your mentality away from do all the things you're supposed to do well, get all your jobs done, get yourself 3-0 in front, keep your foot on the gas and you stop doing that and you allow the other team back into it, it's really hard to, to reset your mindset and get back to what you were doing. I couldn't wait for half-time for different reasons than, than what's gone on previously in the season because I thought Klopp and Linders would get hold of them and say, what are you doing? This isn't what we. This isn't the plan. This isn't what we said we would do. This isn't. This isn't what we. What we're about. We didn't speak about getting to three 0 and then going. This is absolutely like a, a piece of piss. So we won't worry about it. We, we'll just take it easy because it's only spares and they're rubbish. And all we've got to do is be here to win. As, as Conroy and you have both said before, you know, the spares don't come to you without their dangers. You know, Youngman Son is never going to give up. Harry Kane is never going to give up. It, players of that class just don't do that. So so I think we were the victims of our own decisions. I wouldn't say Spurs played their way back into the game. I think we, we, we gave him a route back into the game with the way that we were. And, and it was tough. And, and, and as I say, I was longing for half-time so we could get them in and have a chat with them and do a bit of a reset and come out again and get back to the things that in the first 20 minutes they didn't know how to deal with us. If we if we got in four, if we got four, then 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 it's done, isn't it? But when you're three nil up, if you get one, you're thinking, hang on a minute, next goal's vital. Four one, the game's dead. Three two, we've got loads to play for. I just thought I thought there was a there was an issue in terms of the the, the mentality towards the game from three nil and with the fans giving it the old A's with the spares, putting some passes together and 
Mousala nicking the ball off the defensive centre midfielder. That was the catalyst in the Liverpool team to go and relax. And you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, we've we've come out and been have put in really disappointing performances. We've come out and put in great performances. We alluded to the to the seven nil round against United. Take any opportunity to mention that. But rarely this season have we been three nil up so early on in games and tried to manage it. And I don't feel like we managed it well. The tempo kind of dropped off. It was a little bit like let's keep the ball for a minute. And just take the, um, not the sting out of the game, but take the enthusiasm out of Spurs, maybe, you know. Because um, Spurs could have been thinking to themselves, look, it's a terrible start yet again, but let's build into the game. If you try to keep the ball, then the sh- their mentality shifts to, oh my God, we've got to get on it to try and make things happen. But it didn't quite work out. I thought some of the passing was terrible. Conroy, I hate to pick out your boy, but I thought... Robbo was probably one of the worst, to be honest. Yeah, and I think so. I think, and it's, and see, the thing is, I see the comments. I agree. I thought it was very poor today. I think what I would say is maybe let's not jump on the uh, the position wise because I think he is getting used to that. I actually think, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the mistakes came from like individual errors on the ball. If you know what I mean, not necessarily mm-hmm. like you could talk about out of position for the goals. It's probably more on the other side, but even like the son chance, it comes from him just not with the ball on, just being complacent. And I think also the the one just before that as well, he gives away. So I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think, to be honest, I'm going to give a bit more time to see in general this system because there's obviously playing him in a kind of cent- left centre-back left centre back hybrid role as well. You're going to see how that works. So as well as Trent <clears throat> doing what he's doing, you're basically putting him in a back three at times as well. So his decision-making's got to link in with that. So I, I absolutely agree. I thought it was poor today. I feel like only only because a few of the subs that came on had a poor performance. He probably wasn't the poorest player in the park, but he's definitely up there. And it was weird because it was like self-inflicted a lot of the time. So, you know, see if you're getting absolutely done by a winger and stuff like that, you're just having a terrible game. But it was like, ah, it was just strange. Like, we, we concede that goal and within minutes, he's trying, he's, let's think, is it Kulisevsky? Press him, and he, he gives the ball. He miscues it. It was like it was strange moments that he didn't necessarily have to put him put himself under. It was individual errors, which was the strangest part about today. Because usually, if you're having a bad game like that, you would just keep it simple, and he didn't. Mm. To be honest, yeah, and you know, we we start the game brilliantly. We we, we play well, and we've we've come up with this new system that seemingly is really good for us and getting you know the best out of a lot of our players. But you can't cater for just them individual errors, just them lapses of concentration and quite simply just your touch being terrible and the pass being terrible and being lapsedaisical on the ball. I think Robbo was probably one of the, the worst for it in that first half, but he wasn't the only one. You know, there was others out there on the pitch and it just seems crazy because how often have we spoke this season now that they're not motivated or, you know, they're, they're not really on form or the, whatever it is. But this was a perfect situation whereby they sh- everything should have just been natural to them. They should be confident on the ball and they should be able to make simple passes. It, it, it's a bit crazy how, you know, these, this has happened three in a lot. But look... Maybe it falls back to Steve's point as well, that in general, after that move, when he wins the ball back, just complacency filtered through, the especially the back line. But maybe that was the case, which is absolutely not acceptable though, to be honest, because there was more than enough warnings. This is what annoys me. It's not as if Spurs were like unbelievably clinical. I know you're going to speak about the goal of the now, Cal, so sorry to jump in, but just even the son chance where Van Dyke clears it off the line, like that should have been the warning that Steve was like, listen, we're in a game here. Let's let's buckle up. Let's play keep 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 it simple. 
don't try anything stupid, but we didn't, you know, ultimately. Yeah, exactly. And we will talk about that goal. But just before we do, John reminds us here, um, the challenge that Skip put on Diaz, what were your guys' thoughts on that? Because he seemingly was, you know, Diaz, brilliant footwork to get away from a couple of men. And the ball sort of goes out of play. And at the time, I just thought, He's just been, you know, he's just been caught or whatever. But when you watch it played back and slowed down, and we always know slowed down always sort of makes things look a bit worse. But if you look at the positioning of Skip's foot on Diaz's um, above the ankle, it, it, it's quite bad, right? You guys think that maybe that should have been looked at as a potential red? I'm, a, I'm, I'm torn between two on this one because it's not malicious tackle. He, he actually you can see he's trying to get the ball and he just shifts it too quickly for him. If he gets a red card, I'm okay with it. If he gets a yellow card, I'm also okay with that. It's not a dangerous tackle. It's a badly timed tackle. And where the ball was, if he makes contact with the ball, the ball's a Diaz has moved since he shifted the ball. So the contact comes with it with a moving leg, if you like. So it comes a little bit higher up the boot. It's hard to say. It's hard to say whether it's a stonewall red card. Um if Harry Kane's isn't against Robbo in the 2 2 draw in December, is that as a red card, though, Steve? That is a red card. No one's saying that yeah, isn't a red card. That's, yeah. that's you doing what about it? It's if, if you think the challenge is a red card. Like, we all no, know the Robbo one was. I'm not saying that. Card. I'm saying you see them given and you see them not given. And in this case, both of those challenges are not given. So, based on previous experience, previous history, you could go and find 50 challenges like that in the Premier League this year where nobody's been sent off. We're back to a lack of consistency again, aren't we? I don't want to get bogged down in the rules of the game and how VAR interpretate them. But he'd been asked to go and have a look at that and he'd sent him off. I'd be sitting there now saying to you, I'm okay with that because even a badly timed tackle can be dangerous. But it wasn't over the top of the ball. The ball wasn't there. He shifted it so he caught his foot. And he's moving that foot as well at the same time. So I'm not making a case to to overturn what should be a red card and say it's definitely not a red card. Either or, I'm just going to sit here and say it's down to individual interpretation on the day from the match official. It obviously wasn't an error made by the otherwise he'd been asked to have a look at it. It isn't a dangerous tackle. It's just a really, really badly timed tackle, uh, you know. And and we'll get onto the the same guys involved in something in the second half, which I also have a view on that. But but I, I guess if it's one way or the other, it's a red, we're sitting in our saying it's a red card. I'm saying. Okay, the match official thought it was sufficient enough for a red card. If he doesn't, then then you just get on with it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Thoughts on that, Conroy? You agree with yeah, Steve? No, no, I think Steve actually summarises that quite well. I think sometimes it's frustrating for people to do that, but ultimately, it, some decisions are subjective. That you can say what you want, right? and I, I agree with Steve with consistency. But it's a bit like in that situation, it's like for me, I thought it was a red. And 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 the thing is, I sometimes think the way they look at it is it's how. It's going to sound a bit mad, but how high the boot goes up, and because I think they do have to take into consideration right where it's coming from um, and the challenge before it. However, I think you're seeing the season, like, and I'm one I agree with. I see when people say that, but he's going for the ball, and I'm not saying Steve's saying that now. That annoys me as well. It's like professional footballers, right? You can't be reckless in certain situations. I'm not saying uh, it was in this instance, but I see that a few times this season. It's like. If you've seen the, the one in Scotland a couple of weeks ago, there was a big debate. But if, you, if I showed you guys this clip, you'd say it's definitely a red card. But that's Scottish football. That's a that's another can of worms we can discuss. But 
I tend to agree with Steve. Personally, I do think it it probably should have been a red because it's just the way he catches him, it could potentially be an ankle breaker. And I think, as you say, some refs will look at that and say it's, it's a red. So for me, it was, but I do understand why VR's not got to the ref to change it because you've got to remember, we can't say we want it free-flowing and not to interrupt the game too much, but at the same time, want to stop and start for every decision. So we have to kind of pick a medium here. And I feel like, for me, probably think it was, but I do understand what, what Steve's saying, because we've seen ones, I mean, there's a few bad examples, but we've seen ones specifically at that level where it's not been given, and somewhere it has, so so I, I do understand. What about you, Cav? What did you think? I think it was fortunate that it was over the top of the front of Diaz's foot, as opposed to the side, so it didn't bend his ankle in any way, because then you're doing serious damage, and I think that's the main thing, right, is Diaz come away unscathed. Um, I think I think yeah, it's an orange. It's an orange, isn't it, really, for me? It, I don't even think it gave, got, was given as, as a foul, which was the most frustrating thing, you know. At least yeah. at least recognise that, you know, he's not got to the ball and he has, you know, hit the I think he has touched the ball. the ball a little bit, Cav, so I think that's caused right. the confusion for him. Not like yeah. one it's straight, but I think there's been a bit of a... I think I may be wrong, by the way, so I might have got that one mm. wrong. I'm just, I'm, I've watched a lot of the highlights, but I can't remember that one. So may have that, that, that may be the reason that's caused it. But mm. as you say, ultimately, he's fine. That's the main thing. And, and you know, sometimes in football, it, it, there's no maliciousness, but it doesn't really matter. Like, it's you can't determine if someone's got the intent in their head. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it just sometimes they've got to judge what they see. So, yeah, but yeah, exactly. so it's it, orange is a good answer. We need to invent this orange card. <laughs> no, it's not. We don't need any more. VAR is difficult enough to try and understand what they're doing at times. But look, that happens on the 35th uh, minute, I believe. And like you say, Liverpool's performance dropped slightly. We got a few warnings with the Van Dyke save off the line from the Sun shot. Son got in behind. Uh, Kane got in behind. A few are offside. Um, so you probably should say that's just good positioning and defending from Liverpool. But it gives you this feeling in the game that hey, we're not home and dry. Spurs still have chances. And look, they get a chance. And as I mentioned earlier, this guy always seems to get a goal against Liverpool, which he did again. Kane on the 45th. 40, 41st minute, tucks away a goal, but it's a simple finish, takes it well. It's more the lead up to the goal. And I can already see this being plastered all over social media. Van Dyke against Perisic. <laughs> Godsty, talk, talk to me about it. How how did it come about? Van Dyke's involvement in it, Robbo overcovering, maybe. Um, always round it. Just look, just look too simple, right? I said before about this new position we've got with Trent doesn't come without its problems. And one of the problems is we can kind of look what looks like a load of eight-year-olds playing football where they all seem to gravitate to where the ball is and we shift all the way across to that side of the pitch. And, and you know, we do have to have the conversation and Van Dijk's addressed this this week about his defending this season. He's a big lad. He's a powerful lad. Is he second-guessing his physicality at the moment because he's not winning the ball where he should be winning the ball? He's getting pulled out of position. He's going into places he doesn't need to go into. Kind of disappointing. And I think if we if we do buy a centre-back in the summer, um, right now, it's him that's probably under threat more than Canate in terms of who that centre-back applies the pressure on. But back to the goal. Um, doesn't need to do what he does. We don't need to be all dragged over there. This is We've seen this... Time and time again, we saw it with the the, the goal in um, 
There was a goal last week where the guy got a deflection off Robbo and it, and it squirmed in just past Allison. We're all getting pulled across. Now, because we're playing Curtis Jones, who is essentially a left winger turned into a left-sided centre midfielder, his first thought isn't to see danger. His first thought is to be on the front foot. That's why Klopp likes him, because he's brave. We don't particularly have a ball-carrying centre midfielder who picks up the ball and runs at people. They tend to knock it off sideways and try and use the width to create things. He's a bit more dynamic. He's not necessarily picking up late runners into the box and things like that. How does... One of the world's most dangerous number nines find himself in that much space where he can actually pick a ball out coming down out of the air and, and score with, with, you know, he can actually take a touch and play it sideways if he wants to. He's got that much time to deal with that. There's nobody at home. And, and we talk about, and Conroy's right, we don't have a big enough size of sample size and example to look at how this system works. I suspect this system is going to find a few flaws in Andy Robbo's game as well because do we go with three centre-backs if we're doing this and have a centre-back that can cover as a left-back like Joe Gomez used to when he first joined the club. That brings into question Andy Robertson's position in the Liverpool team. So he's got a lot of learning to do. He's got a lot of development to do for this system. But we've got to stop being drawn to the ball and seasoned international professional footballers. We've got to stop jumping out of positions to try and engage the ball. If the guy in the right-back position doesn't deal with it, that's who gets the bollocking in the changing room at half-time and then the training ground on Monday. If the guy at right midfield allows someone to run off him, that's the guy who gets both barrels again in, in training on Monday. People have got to stop engaging. Why is your left-sided centre-back engaging the, the, the left wing-back of the other team? Mm. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what we're doing at the moment. Some, there's some bizarre decisions being made. And that might come because we were unsettled and they were getting back into the game. There were a few warnings prior to that. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on defensively at the moment. There's too many people in such a small proximity to play, to pick out somebody to blame. It is yet again another really poor um, team goal in terms of people doing their own specific jobs. If the right back, the right sided centre midfielder and the right winger in Mo Salah, who's asked to work backwards as well, and the six, which is Fabinho, do their job. It should never get to the to the centre of the box where one of the world's deadliest number nines can get the deck chair out and have a sit down before he finishes it. It's it's, it's really really poor. Um, it's really disappointing. And, and what it does is it makes an already difficult situation where we've gone off the boil. We it start adds in it starts adding doubt into the player's mind. And we've seen that all season. We don't deal with adversity very well this year at all. They score and we go from bad to even, we get worse from the moment that goal goes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you if you look at from that moment onwards to the end of the first half, we actually presented a few more chances and there was a bit more sloppiness. So that just adds to, you know, back to the point you were making is when we concede, it's not as if we dust ourselves off and, and the guy sort of, you know, shout at each other and it's like no let's just keep the ball now it's right before half time let's just see it through we've still got a couple of goal lead let's do it even though we we sort of take that same lead into the half time but it seems to be like there's a little bit of panic stations and and that for liverpool has been such a problem all season as you say um aaron brings up a point comroy here is this maybe a way we need to go to sort of rectify this do you think you know maybe just make trent Instead of an inverted right back, just make him a midfielder and bring in a, a traditional right back, so to speak. 
I think the thing is, um, we've discussed this before. I think the thing about being a, a midfielder, it's just obviously it's slightly different because you you may have someone right up it's instead of having that space down wide. And I know he's, he's right now he's doing that hybrid role, so he can kind of pick and choose. And he's doing it, you know, he's, he's showing a lot of pro- promising uh, movement, especially in the attack attacking phase. And uh, do you know what? I think it's a fair point by Aaron. I don't know if per se would do that, but. If, Maybe something we have to try, but I guess we'll have to see with the system. I think today, first on Aaron's point, I feel like you could look at that. You could look at you know playing a three at the back. We're probably never going to do that. Playing a four four two, something like that. But I think the the fact you're seeing signs here, I will say this, Aaron. I used to think it wouldn't happen. I'm more seeing it could potentially happen now, just with the way it's going. Because I feel, and I have to see more of this football, but. I feel like it wasn't a coincidence that Spurs scored from that side and they kept, you know, they went down both sides to be fair, but they identified there's more space there because ultimately you've got a player in transition who's not there. Um, and it's not a coincidence that, from what you said, Steve's absolutely spot on with Van Dyke, but that whole mis- uh, catalogue of mistakes comes from Trent, you know, this hybrid system we're trying. So if this is a poor form Spurs team, finding success and they have got great attackers don't get me wrong but let's be honest they've not lit the world up this year Kane still had a pretty good season and he's deadly in front of goal then what is what's teams in form going to do especially identifying that you know to really focus on that so we may have to see till the end of the season and look at that as a a good you know what's the word I always say sample size but a good like experience of how that goes with the system and and how good we can get it because we're obviously still learning it at the moment uh, and then we can look at that. But I think it's a fair point. The one thing I would say, though, is, guys, did you not feel at times that when we're in the ball, I know this is going to sound really counterproductive, but at times I feel like attackers need to understand that there's certain areas you can't, you can't, you can't lose the ball there in transition. Like especially if you're deploying Trent like that. If I can say we'll talk about that. It goes straight into attack because he's not there, and I feel like. And maybe we're not even touching that, but at times there has to be more common sense as well that we're equivalent to have feet at the back now. So have to, we can't lose the ball in stupid areas. But I, that's a whole different point. I think ultimately, I'm considering it now, Aaron. I know I know Steve might disagree with that. I'm not saying it will happen, but I feel like it might be considerations in the future. That's what I would say. I'll tell you what, I shook my head. Uh, it's because we do that to put an extra body into midfield. So if we go and play by a conventional right back or or Calvin Ramsey gets to a point where he can play because we seem to have forgotten about him, but he is a talent. Um mm-hmm. that we lose that extra body and all we're doing is replacing another centre midfielder with, with Trent. So what we're basically saying is we don't necessarily want that. We'll just put Trent into midfield and play. It's about introducing an extra body into midfield. It's about making sure you have a front six and you have variation and options. And if you go to the midweek game and look at the movements and the interpassing that was going on, you don't see Liverpool sides. We haven't seen Liverpool sides doing that for a long time. One of the things I will say is this new system really doesn't doesn't help Jordan Henderson because he can't move the ball quick enough to, to keep up with what's going on around him. We don't need centre midfielders that need four or five touches. We need centre midfielders that come onto a moving ball and shift it. So the higher IQ centre midfielder, rather than the physical one, the one with the defensive and organisational attributes becomes becomes paramount. I've been saying for, since this system started, 
for this to work, our recruitment in the summer, we have to recruit the right players to play in this system because I think Thiago can do it, but we can't rely on Thiago because of injuries. I'm not sure it suits Fabinho either because he's another one that doesn't particularly move the ball with any degree of urgency. So if we're going to be pushing that extra body into midfield to get a front six so we can start creating angles and start creating options, and, and it's no surprise we can go back and reference the... The, the Diaz goal where Gakpo makes the run, you can do that because you've got extra bodies because you've forced one of your defenders into midfield and you're outnumbering the opposition. If you just put Trent in there as a midfield and go and buy or go and put Ramsey at right back, then, then you haven't changed your system. All you've done is change Trent's position and you don't get the benefits of having that extra body in there. Mm. So, as we say, we get to half-time. Still 3-1 up. It's strange, you know, we've got a two-goal lead, but it almost feels, certainly from my point of view, an air of sort of disappointment, which is crazy, you know. We've, we've, we've played half of that half really well, you know, and half not so well, but we're taking in a two-goal lead, so we should probably be positive. But it's kind of a little bit of anxiety um, in his fans, probably thinking that, if you thought along the same way that I was. Um, we come out second half, I think they said in commentary, and I, I tended to agree, the sort of next sort of 15 20 minutes was a bit like Spurs wanted to get back into the game, of course, but were a bit risk adverse and didn't want to get hit for maybe five or six. And for Liverpool, it was a little bit like, yes, we're ahead in the game, yes, we'd like to get more goals, but we also don't want to give away this lead. So the game kind of petered a little, I thought, and um, both Liverpool on the ball a bit more, but sort of just knocking it around. Tempo was okay, but didn't create a whole lot. Um, and then, unless I've missed something, guys, we, we get to sort of the 60th minute, I believe, where we made our first set of substitutions. Jota and, uh, no, sorry, Elliot and Diaz come off, which is understandable. Both um, Diaz obviously coming off a long-term injury and Elliot just back into the side after a few games off. And we brought on Henderson and, and Jota, which was, I thought at the time, probably the right thing to do, you know, just to just to regain a little bit more control into the game. You get that a bit with Henderson, I think. Um, certainly for the final half an hour, he can he can use that energy that he does have. And Jota, who's been in good goal-scoring form recently um, and is a good worker for the team, defensively will work hard and retain the ball and track back. So I thought they were good substitutions at the time. Not sure if you guys um, thought any different, but made sense, right? That's what all clock would do at the time. Yeah, no, I, I think they were good subs at the time. I, I can't remember if it was just before that or just after that. I think it may have been before... Um, when Son hits the post and then mm. Romero hits the post shortly after, I may have got that. It was either just before or just after. But ultimately, the changes tried to change something to, to, to kick starters in the second half because whatever was said at half time didn't really have that effect. You know, I mean, it's there is control and then there's just, you know, plateauing out and, and not really mm -hmm. causing any, um, any, not really laying a glove in Spurs second half, no, no shots on target until. Um, the goal, I think. So for me, it's a bit like, I think you're right with anxiety, Cav, because I feel like this team aren't really sure sure in their ability if they can control a game at the moment because they've been so up and down this season that sometimes they don't know if they should stick or twist. So I think the subs, you know, fair enough, it was actually a good sub at the time. Um, yeah, it ultimately worked out as well, as we'll discuss later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, you're right, actually. I, miss, I I forgot to mention that. When they hit the post, I think Son was offside, but as we know now in the Premier League, mm -hmm. linesmen keep their, their flag down until the play sort of stopped. But 
it still goes to show you, you know, he's, he's a two-footed player and he's scored no end of them sort of curled shots that go into the top corner. And, and if, as you say, we were two goals up, but certainly not home and hosed. Um, they can get him back into it at any point. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if we, if we want to go there, they did. And, and it was that man. And um, he was played through. And as I mentioned earlier, I kind of expected this kind of situation to happen whereby our press wouldn't quite be on it. We won't be close enough to the men and they'd be able to play a few simple passes and ultimately then make a through ball to Son or to Good pass as well. It is a good pass for a centre-back, Romero. It's a good pass. It is. And it's almost right through the centre of the park and, and goes through almost the whole of our team, to be honest. Oh, but... poor defending. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, for a centre-back, I've absolutely lambasted him earlier and he's having a poor run. So I'll just say it was a good pass from his point of view, but terrible defending. You yeah, can't have, and you can't, you can't have a centre back breaking two lines with one ball, which is what he did. Yeah, and and how does he get that space? Because Trent's running back because we gave the ball away from a stupid pass as Trent's pushed up, and we will just like tried a pass that was never on, and I think a clearance lands at Perisic. So that's what I mentioned earlier. There's got to be consideration for that when we're in positions as well. Too mm-hmm. too blasé about the past, not being ruthless. Um, sorry, sorry, Kevin, you go. Didn't yeah. mean to stop your flow there. <laughs> no, but so, look, Son gets played in. It's a it's a good through ball. It's actually really well timed, and, and on this occasion, Allison isn't too far ahead to come and sweep up as we like come to expect. He's got enough time to take a touch and then just um, and slide it in past Allison, and it's a good finish in fairness to him. Finished it like he's full of confidence, which I don't think he is because he's not had a, a great time up until now. But who do we who do we blame for that goal, guys? Is that just the press not being on it? Is that just the shape just quite being off. I mean, I'm trying to think about the build-up to the play. And I, I thought at the time, Canati was stepping out a hell of a lot, which is fair enough because he has to go with the man if the ball's into Son's feet or whatever. But I did feel like at times he was sort of following his man into midfield. And and I, I was a little bit concerned. You could kind of see the, the signs that if Spurs were able to sort of just knock the ball back and play it around, they could maybe exploit that space in and around him. And if you consider that Trent is further up the pitch, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of space to play into. Which is, I'm not sure how that that goal came about, but I thought that that may be one way we, we would be fat out. Um, so who who do we who do we blame for that goal? Is there anyone to blame? Is everyone to blame? What do you I think, Steve? Think, I think Conroy is right. It is a very good ball. You know, in fairness, it is a really good ball. If our centre backs are doing that, which we've seen Van Dijk do loads of times, we 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 buzzing off it. To be fair. Um, the lack of familiarity with what we're trying to do as a system at the moment. You know, we talk about muscle memory and patterns of playing things. There's probably, again, two or three people who are not doing their job particularly well. Um, with the system we're using, you see Fabinho more on the right-hand side than you do on the left as a covering central defensive midfielder. So really, when you think about it, both him and Trent should have been in that pocket of space the ball travelled through. Because because Son scores off off Karate's position, not Van Dyke's. So it's down that right down our right hand centre back side. It, it's hard, it's, it's really difficult. You should give credit for the pass, there's an opportunity, it's like threading a needle. It's a really good pass. Another day doesn't make it. It did, it paid off, it fell to Son, it, it does the business. Um can't really blame Allison for that. One-on-one, a centre-forward's got an awful lot of areas to put the ball into. He does so well ordinarily in one-on-ones. 
Um, so there's no criticism for the goalkeeper. Can we can we do more to cut the pass out? Can we put more pressure on Romero? Possibly. Are we playing hold what we have, which I think is a really really dangerous thing to do in football matches? Yeah, we probably are. Um, so we sit off. We allow him to have the ball because we have this idea in our mind that he can't hurt us. You give a sense about the ball, fifteen yards in front of his box, and you think you've got your areas covered, and you think to yourself, nah. It can't hurt us from there. There's living proof today that they can and they do. So, you know, as long as we learn the lesson from it, we recognise it and we, we tweak the position of the two guys on the right side of that centre midfield three, there's no way they should be feeding it between Trent and Fabinho, between Gakpo and Salah, and between Van Dijk and, and Canate. And that should never be happening. So, if you wanted to be hypercritical, it's another poor team goal. It's another poor team goal in terms of our positioning. But I think in this case, you've just got to say it's an exceptional pass from a from a from a from a centre back that we just didn't read the room. We didn't think he could hurt us from there. And, and as long as you learn from it, maybe you don't need to psychoanalyze it. Start digging out people. It's a great pass. We can do better. We can be in a better shape. We learn from it. We don't do it again. For me, that that's pretty much as far as I, I would go if it was me. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. So look, it's three two from being three goals up. It's now uh it's now squeaky bum time. You know, the game's sort of what well, we're on the I think that was the 78th minute, I believe, 77th minute. So there's still what 10 minutes plus well, 13 minutes plus stoppage time to go. We've conceded two of the most recent goals. It's looking a little bit worrying, right? The next incident, Conroy, I'll come to you. It's quite a simple question. Is that a red card for Jar when he kicks Skip in the face? Yes, got to be a red card. You can't <laughs> sit on the fence here, right? I'm not going to put Liverpool, but it's, it is. You know, I, ironically, I actually had to do something during the game, like for two seconds, and that's when that happened. So I actually only seen it after the match because I, I only see Skip. Um, have the, the cut after it so mm-hmm. when i've watched again it is I, you can say it doesn't mean it as i said before that that's all well and good there's no malice that that's fine but it's irrelevant when you're making a decision and i don't understand how var can look at that because i can understand how the ref the game's flowing you might not see it from that angle but you can't stud someone in the head i'm going to be a uh, you know quite transparent and honest with my my analyst from the earlier challenge that is a it's a red card you can't we see it with manny against ederson and I'm sure a lot of Will fans still disagree agree with that, but it's a red card. You, you can't go that high and connect with that. You, if you see a lot of similar challenges like that in other leagues or this league, it's usually a red card. So for me, that is. What about you, Cav? Do you think it's a red card? Yeah, I agree. I think it is. I think it is. I think he's honestly gone up for the, you know, gone up for the balls. He does get the ball and Skip leans his head into it. But I think it's I red think once you. Reckless. Yeah, you can't be reckless in this game. You're a paid professional. You can't be reckless. We forget yeah. that it's a position not to be reckless, and it is. I think once once you make contact, like you say, you're endangering the player. Quite obviously, you've seen Skip, you know, get a mark on his on top of his head, and uh, you saw the blood on on the shirt and stuff. Ryan Mason, bless him, in his black hoodie, looked like he just sort of rocked up and <laughs> from nowhere starts, you know, bantering around on the. Uh, 
on the <laughs> sidelines. He, 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 I mean, in fairness to him, he's, he's you know, he's obviously a live, uh, Spurs lad and he's he's trying to get the best for his team. But he spent most of that game just frustrated at the uh, at the uh, officials and banding around. But it just made me laugh because he's in that this black hoodie, and I'm just like, he that, could be anyone from the stands, to, couldn't he? Yeah, that seems to be the way, though. That's the, the kind of Pep Guardiola effect, and even yeah. Klopp to a certain extent wears the tracky. Pep just wears like a a cardigan. It seems to be. That's the modern, but even like Nagelsmann, more casual. It seems to be the way of it. But you know, I think it's like I think for me, it's it is a red. I think in the comments, King uh, Hoddle says intent is irrelevant, and yeah, that's that's it. Intent's not on the rules, so mm. it, it really. Is. You know what, boys? Let's be honest, right? You can't go around head button people. It's definitely a red card, isn't it? <laughs> so we're unanimous on a on a Liverpool podcast that our players should have got a red. Someone's got to yeah. throw up some some you know someone. Oh. Play devil's advocate, Aaron. Why? I'd, why do I'd, 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 I'd seen someone put on Twitter that Skip should have been sent off a headbutt and Jota's boot. That's the point. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that. I, I think I, I, I don't think we can have any arguments if he walks there. He does stoop down a little bit. The idea that he's got his foot five and a half foot in the air is, is what Mason said. I actually have taken an instant dislike to Mason for the, what you've just said, Conroy, and what you've just said, Cav. All he did was berate officials for the whole game and look like an angry, angry man on the touchline. That's not how you get given a job, by the way, by being a knobhead on the touchline. You have to do what you have to do in terms of tactics and what have you. And yet our manager got booked for fronting the fourth official when we when we got a goal. Um, I don't like Ryan. I instant dislike for Ryan Mason. I, I, be classy. You don't need to be like that, you know. And, and there's a bit of sour grapes in the press conference. You can't claim to be the best team by a country mile. When you're three 0 down in in eighteen minutes, let's let's not be daft about these things. So, um, but on the point of the of that, Jota's a very very lucky boy, very lucky boy not to walk for that. Yeah, he is, and look, he stays on the pitch. Did the ref even it out? Did the ref even it out? Did he think about the previous thing and go, mm, maybe I could have done so? Maybe I'll err on the side of caution with this one. Who knows? Only he that, knows. That, that shouldn't be a factor anymore, Steve, because VR, he, he's not, he shouldn't have a conversation to say even out. VR should just say, look at this. And so it should, yeah. I get what you're saying, but it should take it out because genuinely, right, I can understand. I feel like a lot of people think they talk about decisions, but the speedy games nowadays, it's very, it's, it is easy to miss certain decisions because even from the angle of the player, you don't see it. The lines, the lines person doesn't see it from that angle. So, like, you can understand that, but. This is the one that gets me is like, and I don't criticise as much as a lot of people because I think we're just ready to throw any official under the bus, to be honest, because it's just a, a cultural thing when it comes to football, to be honest, which has to improve. But in general, I don't understand how you can be in the room and see that and not say, no, you need to have a look at this because that because he's down as well for quite a while. So that's the one that gets me. I, I, I don't really get that. And in general, I know we're going to speak about it, but like I don't understand why... There's actually some refs who, who've actually improved quite a lot recently or have actually not been as poor previously and you've got the two good ones in this league. I don't know why they're not on this fixture, to be perfectly honest. Like your Mike Oliver's Anthony Taylor's, like because to me they are big six fixtures. They they should get them. I don't know if it's maybe Newcastle's rising to the top four is maybe affecting Oliver's position, something potentially like that. But I feel like the, I'm not going to go into it too much, but Tierney and Liverpool even if it's not based on field actions, which there is usually something, there's obviously a bit of animosity between Klopp, Tierney, and the other way as well. So it's like, it just doesn't seem like a very good match to why there's, he's 
this is a continuing continuous matchup because I think was Tierney not the um, Arsenal ref as well. I might be wrong there. I think mm. he may have been. So I, I don't know why they keep putting them together, to be honest. But you feel like they maybe keep them apart going forward. But but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Next incident, and again, it kind of links quite nicely about refereeing decisions. Richarlison comes on the pitch to a, a chorus of boos from the Liverpool fans, of course, being an ex-Everton player and all round. Well, I, I'm not going to use the words that I want to, but we all dislike Richarlison, right? Um, he comes on the pitch and you're kind of thinking, ah, God, he hasn't scored a Premier League goal all season. Absolutely written in the yeah. stars, mate. You he know, hates playing away. against Literally. Liverpool. He loves to be that guy that winds up the crowd or whatever. And we'll get to his goal, right? Unfortunately, we have to speak about that. But before that, actually, he tries to claim for a penalty um, when Canate sort of has his hands around him. What, what were your thoughts, Conrad? You, you think you think that's a penalty? <laughs> yes, I think there's a good chance that that should have been a penalty, to be honest. Um, or at least, I do not know what Canate is doing, given like even the option there to hold like you can touch maybe you get contact but that was too much for me i'm not saying you're definitely going to give it away but i feel like it was a bit needless to even 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 do what he done there you know and i think potentially that could have been a penalty as well to be honest i think soonest was convinced it was i've seen ones like that not given especially you've seen obviously salah this season it was just the way Kanati went about about it you know you get close you get contact center backs do that all the time but it's because he had his hands on him so long and the way he kind of done it is like as the cross comes in it looks like he's impeded him enough to stop him getting near the ball which could easily have been given as a penalty to be honest i'm kind of on the fence i feel like 50 50 i've seen some like that not given so again but if the ref gives it i wouldn't turn around and say that's definitely not a penalty so I think we may have got away with one there. Yeah, Steve, you tend to agree. Yeah, I think I, th- I don't think it helps himself because it goes down like he's been shot by a sniper in the stands. And this is just something that's said all the time. I think there's ways and means of drawing attention to people to say I've been fouled. That's not how you do it. And unfortunately, as we know, with players we've had at our club in the past, sometimes reputation goes before you. And Richarlison is, is his shithouse, let's be honest, he is. And he does all of those things to try and gain favour. And it, it doesn't go down very well with, with referees. It doesn't go down very well with opposition. But ultimately, if he stops, stands and throws his arms up in the air and says, I've just been impeded, that's probably an easier way to draw VAR's attention than to launch yourself at the floor when you're six foot tall and you, you've been, you go in the gym every day. And you, and you look like you've been poleaxed by, you know, it, it's the over egg the pudding, shall we say, in terms of his reaction to it. And I don't think that works in, in, in players' favours. But again, similarly to the Johnson position, if we're sitting here discussing their penalty, I don't think we'd have too much of an argument to say, no, we thought that was wrong because you can't put two hands on someone in the box. Yeah. Um, Graham Suter said it in his summary. He thought it was a penalty, and it's hard to disagree. It's, clumsy. it's very clumsy, isn't it? It's just yeah. like Kanati. It's it's kind of known. You know, that's we talk about experience. It's known who you're against. Now, don't get me wrong. Like in general football nowadays, like we need to stop thinking that players are going to stay up. They're not because they ultimately know if they go down, they're going to get it. It, or they need at least you know emphasize it. But Richarlison's so far to that extreme, as Steve said, 
it's literally like an annoyance to a lot of referees and and opposition, to be honest, that it's like, it's funny how Steve said that that's probably went against them. And, and I, I, tend, I tend to agree, but I feel like knowing your strikers and you know Richarlison would, would literally emphasise or go down for any challenge. And it's a bit like he's just came on, Kanate. It's like, don't, don't take a chance with him. There, there may be certain strikers you do with that with who'd want to tussle back and get into it. He's not one of them there. So I think that's it's a learning curve, and, but I do think he got yeah. away with that one. Yeah, I think so too. I think he actually, I think he, he had a bit of a hit and miss game. I think at that point in the game, he was a little bit, you know, giving away some fouls. And I, I thought he struggled to know what to do with Son when he was getting the ball and dropping into midfield. He was going with him, giving the foul away, got the yellow card. I think he kind of not not lost control. And I won't go as far as sort of, you know, started to bottle it or anything like that. I just felt like he was sort of feeling the pressure of the game a little bit, knowing that we were 3-0 up, two goals conceded, and we didn't want to, you know, obviously let Spurs have the equaliser. But that is what happened. And it's that man we just spoke about. It had to be, didn't it? It just, it just had to be. It had to be him with his first goal in the Premier League this season at Anfield for the equaliser in front of the Spurs fans. And, yeah, look, Steve, <laughs> what, what do we want to say, right? He, it's a free kick given away. It's The line's actually really good from Liverpool, but it's that man, Nunes, at the back stick who just is a yard or a yard and a bit further back than everybody else that just keeps him on side. I don't want to go too much into Nunes and his understanding and his, you know, um, he's not had good substitute performances since of late um, coming on. Klopp said he's got to learn the new system. Obviously, the language barrier doesn't help. Um, I don't want to go too much into that, but ultimately it is him and it is his sort of lack of discipline in staying in, in that defensive line and trying to play him offside. He does go back with the man, but... Um, he does. He can't get there. He doesn't get the touch. Which Allison does. Heads it into the ground. Loops Allison. What are you thinking at this point, Steve? At that point, that feels worse than getting beaten. Conceding there for a three-all draw from three and up. That actually feels worse than when you lose a game. Mm-hmm. Sit there with your head in your hands, not quite believing what's going on. It's an awful header, to be honest with you. It's just so fortuitous. <laughs> it's it's so bad. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a terrible header. It's easy to see why the man hasn't scored any goals all season. Um, Nunes doesn't necessarily play him on play him on side with his run. He doesn't do enough. I always think in those situations you put your defenders on on the attackers rather than your attackers on an attacker. If that makes sense, um, goes back to the comment I made about Curtis Jones not being first thing he thinks is what happens if this goes wrong. Where's the danger? Charleston is a danger. Goals or no goals is a danger. So, so for to leave him to be marked by another centre forward doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Um, as Conroy says, you just couldn't write it. And watching him celebrate actually made me feel physically sick. I, I, I despise that man with every ounce of my being. I cannot stand with Charleston at all. Um, so, so what, what comes to pass gave me ridiculous satisfaction. Um, I just have, I just can't stand that bloke. And and you just knew it was going to happen. You just knew it was going to happen. I watched it in, in when I played snooker over the road with a load of mates, and and every single one of us to a man said, "You know who's going to score here, don't you? You know who's going to get on the end of this? This has got three three written all over it." 
everybody would have said it, everybody would have called it, and it absolutely happened. And mate, I was absolutely sick as a dog. I felt physically sick because I anybody but him, anybody on that Spurs team but him me thinking when that ball's played into the box. Um, I don't want his one goal to be at Anfield and deny Liverpool three points. Um sick as a dog, yeah. mate. Absolutely hate the yeah. man. Yeah, and to make it worse, he does his awful bloody pigeon celebration with Son. Son should, Son should I don't know why, and it just if if you're his teammate, let him do it on his own. Don't join him. Don't I don't encourage I think, him. I think, I think Son just Son, I don't know. Son just seems to just you know be there. Just say goodbye. Yeah, I don't know what it is because you do that and then you see him absolutely heartbroken. I don't know. Son, Son <laughs> just seems to you know, he doesn't seem a bad guy at all. He just seems to, you know. Go, go, as you say, go with the vibes. But it's like, do you know what the thing that annoyed me about that? And I agree with Steve. Like, the reason I think, right, and this is going to sound a bit weird, but I think, see, if there's opposition players and maybe teams you, even like United, you can still appreciate, like, the class of certain players. Because I think, like, what, you're old enough now, you're wise enough. It's not about just, you know, like, saying that for the sake of it. Like, Rashford, for example, you can appreciate that even as a rival. The thing that really gets me about Richarlison is, He's proven quite a few times that he can be quite a vicious player. Like, look at the, t- the tackle on Thiago. Like, that that crosses a lot of line for uh, other footballers as well. The way he'll go out to hurt people, and he's done it a few times. Let's not act like you might. You might like listen. Other people don't like Robbo. Thinks you're a bit of, you're a bit of a shit house, right? But ultimately, there's a lot of players like that. But I wouldn't necessarily say that they're vicious players. Like they've went out to actually injure other professionals. He's done that several times, and to me, that absolutely crosses a line. And I, 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 I agree with Steve, I really don't like the person. But you know what tops off as well? Is that lack of self-awareness that you've just scored the last-minute goal in a massive game and you've literally done that celebration. I mean, come on, mate. Like Even I was like, this is a huge moment and you're doing that celebration. It's just like, it's just like, it just says a lot. I'm just la- I wasn't laughing at the time, but the way it's came back to bite him. See if he just ran into the crowd, you know, and, and just done that and just like... You know, I've made it made it a bit a big moment, but no, he's doing like a was it the pigeon or the duck, whatever it's called, I don't know. But it comes back to bite him because literally he's went from taking the mick to then 30 seconds later, it all goes against him. And it's that celebration is going to be used consistently. It's going to be a meme now. And it's just do you know what? He probably deserves it because I don't think he's a very nice person. I think he's, I think he's you know, I dislike the person because of those things he's done, not because of who he's played for, but because of those things he's done. So, you know. Absolutely deserved it, and it couldn't have happened to. You. I, I'm happy who it happened to, if you know what I mean. Who, who the gift became, you know. I quite like Son, so I was like, you know, let's let's not have a go at Son, right? But I did like Richardson, so there you go. Yeah, but on it, that, what was what was your thought, Cav? Sorry, what, what were you thinking when it went in? Because the thing is, see the header as well. It's so frustrating because it is lucky because the way he heads it causes it to loop. It's the one Allison can't do anything about it because he literally mm. it's one area because it's not even good connection. Just because it bounces up. It's just, it's, it's a torture watching it go over Allison, And you're just like, where are we now? Where are we now? Is this back to square one? It's just, mm-hmm. it felt like that. What was your thoughts, Cav? It just felt like the whole game, you could have, how it panned out apart from the final moment, which we'll talk about. You could have written the script was there before the game. Spurs wouldn't start well. Liverpool would. We would go ahead, and then Spurs would come back stronger towards the end of the game and probably peg us back. I didn't think that would happen if we were three goals up. I thought if we were a couple of goals up, it might have happened. Yeah, yeah. 
And then like Richarlison coming on, ex-Everton player, all-round shithouse, final moment. Well, I had time. It just felt like, you know, football has sometimes these moments where it's just like, this is going to happen. And we don't know why, but you can just feel it and then it happens. And it just, it didn't actually hurt me. It didn't actually affect me too much. And I, I said to you before, because we were speaking off air, I was like, could you imagine if we were in a title challenge? Or could you imagine if we actually were in with a chance of getting top four? That would have been such a sick note. But I think for me at this point in time where we are in the season, sort of coming towards the end, I was a bit like, it's a draw. It's a point. Three more points probably helps us get fifth place, which I'm not really fussed about anyway. So I was a bit like, yeah, okay, just get this guy off my screen. I don't need to see him shushing the crowd and taking his shirt off like he'd won the bloody Champions League and all of these kind of antics. And I didn't want it. I didn't want it to pan to Ryan Mason, but he's running down thinking he'd got one over Klopp and all these kind of things. I was like, just get me out of here. Get me out. Yeah. yeah. If he if he'd have run down that that line, I would have switched the telly. I am not handling that. There's no way Ryan Mason running down with his finger in the air. Now you can. Do you know what? Do you know what? There's a bit. There's a bit of me. It's like it's a bit like it's funny how Jose Mourinho does that, right? And it's still like revered. But if anyone else tries anything like that now, I think like it might cause like people to come on the pitch. So (laughs) when you look back, you're like, I don't know how he got away with that, but yeah, it's funny how it works. Definitely, definitely. But look, look, the moment we've all been waiting for, right? And as the main man says, football is a humbler. And it could not have happened to a better person, right? <laughs> the man that scores the equaliser has to sit there and sulk because oh. the man that perhaps should have been sent off earlier in the game yes. goes on to win it a moment later and in the dying embers of the game. Jota. It's a bad back pass from Lucas Mora. Don't know what he's doing. He's no awareness, just tapping it back as if he's no no Liverpool player there, just his just his defence. But Jota's alert to it. He's banking on somebody making a mistake. He runs in behind, takes three touches, and the final one being an, a, a deadly finish to put it low, driven into the far corner. It's perfection from Jota's point of view, and it's it's perfection for us. So, Conroy, I'll come back to you. What's your reaction? Are you jumping around? Are you yeah. are you laughing? Because I'm laughing. I'm laughing yeah. at Spurs. <laughs> yeah, see, the thing is, mate, I, I'm known sometimes to be quite like you know, level-headed. But in this game, I actually did, you know, especially the Jones one at the start. I was like, yes, come on. And then I was jumping about when that went in because it's football. And it's it still, surprise, it still surprises you. And I know Steele will agree with this. The amount of games you've watched, you still are surprised because I didn't see us creating anything in those last seconds. And it comes from a mistake. Do you know what? It's such a good finish. Like I know people say it's not one of them that I should score because it's on his weak foot. I know he's quite good on his left foot, but it's still it's a calculated, strong, low-driven shot in the left corner. It's such a clutch finish by by a player that you know we all know I, I like very much, and we all do. And I think he's just such a just depicts him very well that goal. But honestly, when it went in, I, I was like laughing and jumping about, then laughing, then just in the disbelief. I had to rewatch the goal because I'm not quite sure how. Because you know how sometimes that happens. See, when a player gets in a good position, your head kind of goes blank to how you got in that position because you're mm-hmm. so focused on what the outcome's going to be. So I was like, what happened there? Did, did I miss that? Was it a knockdown? Was it, a, you know, like, was it like a flick through? But no, it's just Mora, who we spoke about before we came on, like leaving at the end of the season. Came with such a big reputation. A lot of people are looking at PSG, but 
he's been a decent, good maybe player for Spurs. He has been good at times, but he's ending his career there quite badly. And you do you could set off at Everton, and now another mistake. He does not do well on Merseyside, but great touch, lays it off well, brilliant finish. And I, I was jumping about me, and and to be perfectly honest, it was like a, I won't, I won't say euphoria. It was like a, I was buzzing. We won, but then it was like my head was like it's a relief. Um, it kind of keeps the good mood going. I felt a bit quite we're very lucky to get the win because of what happened. But do you know what? It was a, it was a bit all over, and it's it's got to be one of the Barclays classics of the season. It has to be, it just on pure controversy, chaos, unpredictability. One of the games of the season. Um, but yeah, that that's my thoughts. You were laughing. I mean, it honestly gets to the point now, and I'm not being funny, right? I'm being genuine. I actually do feel sorry for Spurs fans. Like, I honestly do. It gets, I don't feel sorry for some of the players. Like, I don't like Richarlison and stuff like that. But it gets to the point where I'm even like, come on, this is this is a bit far now. So This is like, they, they fans must take so much. It's like, I mean, the amount of stuff that's happened to them. They've just been battered 6-1 manager controversy, Conte came out and says this is what they are, you know, the, the mentality there. They've came back unexpected, free, free, where's this came from? You know, galvanised the fans and then they've conceded a minute later, not because of like an unbelievable goal, because you can live with that sometimes, because their own midfielders decided to play a back pass, first time volley from 20 or 20 yards, 25 yards out for no reason. It's just like, I'm at the stage where I'm even like, no, I feel sorry for Spurs fans. But listen, yeah. you can't focus on other teams. You need to focus on yourself. Great finish. I was buzzing. Steve, how, how were you? Were you um, what was the snooker club like? Oh, it was wild, mate. Yeah. Um, so we're not up against Spurs because they're doing Spursy things, aren't they? And we're, we're miles in front and we could win six or seven. And that's everybody's thinking. And then they turn into somebody else and they get back to 3 all with a goal in the 94th minute, whatever it was, and then remember that they were spares and did sparesy things again to finish the game. So a mixture of relief, laughter. Um, in, 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 it was incredulous that we, we could almost throw that 3-0 lead away. You know, um, people still reference when Man United went 3-0 up at Anfield near Ruddock scored the equaliser with a header. All these years later, that would never be forgotten that we would have had to live with our rivals saying we bottled a 3 0 lead at home to spares, and nobody bottles 3 0 leads at home to spares, really, do they? So, um, yeah, amazing finish to a game, unbelievable. We never looked like we never looked like we were scoring the second half, we were, we were poor when we made the changes, we lost our way, lost our shape a little bit, um, and that seems to be something that happens quite a lot. Um, Fair play to Chelsea. He's got three touches before the shot and he's been closed down by two two defenders. So, keeps his call really well and slots the ball away. And he's probably probably the best finisher in the club, to be fair. If you look at Mm. what else we've got, because we've all talked about chances that Mo Salah's missed that he shouldn't have done. Um, Jota's just lethal in those positions. Pressure, um, pressure situations as well, Steve. That changes yeah. it as well. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I think it's a great point. Yeah, uh, one in the in the league cup Leicester last year uh, when he when he play came on and made a difference, including scoring the penalty. So he's got he's got kahunas, hasn't he? He's got, he's a man for the big occasion. He doesn't bottle it, and 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 he's he's a man in form as well. So so not surprised he tucked it away. He's long may continue, and hopefully carries on scoring until the end of the season. 
and we'll see where we end up. But I think if, we, if, if we'd been sitting here talking now that it ended up 3-3, this would be a very, very different conversation because it would feel worse than losing a game because you've got so much control. You've got the whole entire game in the palm of your hand and you contrive to literally throw the whole thing away and you get out of jail in the 95th minute. So I'm, I'm here for that. I think it's absolutely amazing. And it went wild in the, in the snooker club where we watched it. Um, can't keep doing that, boys. Can't keep going that far into games. Can't keep going to the well looking for miraculous endings to football matches. That was ours for the taking. Absolutely ours for the taking. <laughs> and just to just to add to the you know the excitement of the game, why not have Klopp run down run down this technical area, pull a hamstring, and shout in the fourth official space? I mean. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, you just like you like you enjoy it, right? It's probably not the right thing to do. Rival fans will hate it, and he'll probably you know get a fine or something out of that. It's not the right thing to do. It's not the right way to carry yourself. But I tell you what, for the season that we've had, if we can laugh and we can smile, and Klopp can just take out some anger on someone, I'd rather it be referees because none of us can stand him. I thought it was hilarious how he pulled his hamstring. I mean, it's just how ironic, right, that a season plagued with injuries towards the end of the season, even the manager pulling things on off. It's just, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. But we win the game. Clock goes to the cop, does his uh, three punches and then hits his chest. I think that's four wins on the bounce now. Am I right in saying? So... Yeah. Yeah, look, we, we, we gave up a lead today. Um, we go on to win it. We did the same. We gave up two leads against Forest. We went on to win it. But we're winning games and we're figuring out the system still. Um, I think for a lot of fans, they are going to be disappointed. They're going to concentrate on the fact that individuals are still making errors and that the system isn't foolproof. It ain't bulletproof. It, you can still concede. But we're winning games and we've got control in large parts of the games. And that's a very, very far fetch from where we were at the start of this season. Most of this season, actually. So for me, I'm, I'm taking it away as, as being pretty positive. I'm not too fussed about where we finish now in this season. We're up to the dazzling heights of fifth place. We, I don't know how excited we can be about that. Probably Europa League next, football next season is most likely. That's better than no Europe, I guess. But... But we keep moving forward. We keep moving forward. Go on, Conroy. You want to say something? No, I was just going to say, I think it's like probably summed up our season, that 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 game, to be honest, the inconsistent or the ups and downs of it. Um, I think there'll probably be more of a, a rollicking and more of a, a lessons learned from that game than any other of these games and change the system because there's a lot to discuss and, and, and break down for the coaching staff and Klopp. I think you'll find it maybe not have been as positive in that changing room, to be honest. It may have been a bit, you know, of a... I think even Trent's comments, which are quite light, it's not good enough. Like you can't be freeing up and let a team back in like that. It's, it's just not good enough. That's the mentality you want. You, you want that that mentality through the squad. So I think in the change room, it wouldn't have been, you know, like the fans in the, snook, in the snooker club or yourself laughing, Cav. I think it would have been very much of, we need to look at this. What, 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 how did that happen? We want to be a top team. Top teams don't do that. And if, if you do concede, it should be, you know, you've been really breaking down well. I mean, this team mm -hmm. got battered by Newcastle, and that's because Newcastle went for the jugular, and we just kind of sat in between. And as Steve said, we're far, far too complacent. And I think when you compare both matches, you can see that. 
Um, so for me, I think that'll be the, the reaction from the squad. But ultimately, you want to win. You want to try and get a feel-good factor towards the end of the season. I know Robertson said that in his comments. Trent said that as well. You want to keep winning, but put an asterisk next to this game to say, very lucky. If this happened in nine times out of ten, you're probably not getting that win again. Just on the way we played, I don't mean us as a team, but we created nothing second half. Take that and then move forward, and hopefully it won't ha- won't happen again. And on, on the, the the reactions at the sidelines, I actually think probably both Mason and Klopp will look into that because that'll be Klopp's. Um, was it this season as well? He got the one match ban for the one on the lines when we went up to him as well. So if that's the same season, they'll probably look at that as well. You can't you can't go up to someone's face and do that, especially a fourth official who literally can't make any decisions as well, which is quite. If to be honest, I think I, it's be very. I, you can't come up to someone's face and do that. Mm-hmm. It's, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. he's at his work. Like it's it's not as if yeah. he's like he's got a problem with Tierney. Go and speak to Tierney, and that's what I would say on that issue. Like I get it, the animosity with Tierney. I agree with it. I've never been a fan of him as a ref, especially when it comes to Liverpool Klopp connection. But ultimately, fourth official was taking hassle from both managers, and I feel like they'll both get looked into, or the instance will get looked into for that. Can't can't be doing that. I think we've got to be fair here. You can't do it. I don't know if you guys feel the same. It's like it's still someone who's who's doing the job and going up to their face like that in the moment of a goal as well. That's what I don't get. Instead of just enjoying it, it's like mm-hmm. I don't know. The fourth official literally probably just stood there the full game. And just had to take because it's not as if they, they blow for stuff or like they just have to listen to both managers going yeah. on. So that's yeah. the one I didn't like. I get it if you got a problem with Tierney completely, but I, I did kind of feel a little bit sorry for the fourth official to be honest. <laughs> just yeah, and, and Klopp, Klopp, you know, you imagine Klopp staring over in your faces, it can come across quite aggressive, you know, quite intimidating. But Definitely. Klopp. His relationship with officials, we know all about this. I've been at Anfield before. I don't think the TV cameras pick this up, but fourth officials quite often will be quite patronising to Klopp, you know, and they'll they'll push him away and not get in his face, but they'll kind of push him away and, and sort of walk up to him. And I often have looked at it and thought, well, that's not how you should probably maybe conduct yourself. So, look, the relationship volatile between most managers and, and referees, certainly. Why, why is that, Miguel? Why do we just accept that that's normal? Like, it's still so it should, it should be, and, and, and we should we should uphold a better standard. You know, we, we get, I think, as, as football fans and in this world of football, we kind of tolerate a lot of things that actually is just really bad sportsmanship, isn't it, really? I, mean, I, think, that's, I think that's one of those things. It's one it, of those. Fil- it filters down. Ultimately, it's like, if you, you see something like, I'm not just using this example, but it's like there has to be a higher standard to uphold because it goes down to grassroots, it goes down to the younger kids who feel like what's acceptable to treat. Because ultimately, if you keep going this way, would you do you want to be a ref, Calf? Do you want to be a ref, Steve? I think most people wouldn't want to be refs. Well, if you're not going to refs, you're not got a game. And then if you if you have a good, more people wanting to do it, you have a bigger pool, so you have a bigger quality of refs. So it's like it's a cycle, it's a thing, and it's like. You need to keep that standard, and ultimately, see today probably nothing. It's it'll probably get looked into, but it, it's a small, a small incident on the face of it. But mm-hmm. it feels very misdirected, to be perfectly honest, though, because he's clearly, even in his comments, he's got a problem with Tierney, and it's like I actually don't know the fourth official's name. Yeah. It feels like that was misdirected, and, and that was quite frustrating, to be honest. In that moment, a kind of exhilaration, I was like, don't really have to get him involved, but that's just mm-hmm. my thoughts on it. Yeah. Do you remember that moment as well, just quickly, where Klopp dived to the floor, head, head in his hands? It was a little bit of a Louis van Gaal moment, won't it? I feel like we might be seeing that image again in yeah. the future. So. Again, it comes back to, though, I don't know why they keep putting the two together. Like, yeah. Tierney seems to get these matches. I don't I don't really get That's the one weird thing. It's like, 
just give it to Anthony Taylor or or Michael Oliver because mm-hmm. if you don't like them, fair enough. But there's definitely a lot less controversy when they ref these games. Yeah, exactly. So look, that's the game, and our man sends in a a, a super chat. Top four possibility: United win was a downer. Obviously, getting a one nil win earlier on against Aston Villa, a, a very good Aston Villa at this at this moment in time. So that's a good result for United, but it's not good for us because. It's a, it's a game where you kind of needed them to drop points, in my opinion. But, Steve, do you think it changes anything for us getting this win? We go to the end, mate. <clears throat> we keep going so mathematically we can't get there because we've seen bizarre things happen in football matches. Um, on a personal level, um, if we don't get there, then I think we need to start building some momentum for next season add a few players to it, finish the season strongly. The worst thing we can do after what's gone on this season is to finish with a whimper. We need to finish strong. We need to, we need to, the guys that will be at the club next year need to have good memories at the end of the season because winning is a habit and losing is a habit. And we've lost more games this season than four or five seasons added together. So it's, it's a, it's a situation for us to turn around and, and improve on and make the right purchases and bring the right people in to add to that. And to add to the fact that some players have been at the club a long time. When they lose games, you do wonder how much it hurts them because you don't see the self-pride in terms of the performances that make you wonder what does it actually mean to everybody all of the time. Bring fresh, hungry, younger players into the squad. Add them to the world-class players we've got. Sticking with Trent, sticking with Gakpo, sticking with Salah. You know, I could go on with names. Um, they've got something to prove, and that of having something to prove will generate a little bit more intensity in the side. I just think this team's seen it all, and it, and it's time for a little bit of a freshen up. And and if you add that to a really strong end to the season, then we go into next season in a, in a psychologically in a good place. Whereas last season we finished the season psychologically on a low. Losing out in the league on the last day, losing out to Real Madrid in the Champions League final. It's it's about having something when you go back to work for pre-season. Remember when we won eight games or nine games in a row and drew one out the last ten. Remember that feeling? That's how we start the season for me. So if we don't get top four, and it's a stretch, it's not in our hands. And realistically, I'd be stunned if we did. I've got this horrible feeling we finished fifth. I'm not that far away from fourth. But if it's like eight wins in a draw in the last nine games, well, that over 38 games isn't enough to get you into the top four. You can't use that eight or nine games to be your justification for Champions League football. It needed to be better over a much bigger period, over a much longer period. The whole season, maybe. Yeah. No, I I, I, I agree with you entirely Steve. I think you summarised that quite well Conroy you agree and just before we go any final thoughts on today or future of Liverpool or whatever it is you want before we finish up tonight no no thanks just to say Cal, I thought you've, you've hosted the show very very well tonight top job mate and uh, superb um, I just think with Steve, I think Steve smashed that again I agree with you Cal. I think um, as you say sometimes it's we're very uh, you know, in game after game, that's how we feel. But ultimately, if you're in this position at this stage in the season, probably going to take a miracle to get Champions League anyway. Shouldn't really be relying on miracles, as Steve said. You should be in a position. And if you look at the grand scheme of things and overall season, probably don't. I've had that thought a few times. We probably don't deserve to be 
we've been very inconsistent. It would take a a collapse, or if you look at even the last time we had a situation like this, Allison's header against West Brom. I said at the time that was a a one-off. I feel like that that season and a lot of the other seasons that probably we probably don't get that fourth place, but. You know, a lot of things happened, which was great. We obviously had a lot of injuries, so it felt amazing. But I absolutely agree with Steve. I think this is where you are. It's the overall season. So it would be fortunate if we got in. However, if we can end strong, as we said, eight wins, a draw, you know, eight wins and one draw to finish the season, we can at least be positive going into the summer, get the reinforcements and then kick on. Kind of start that winning or unbeaten run now and maintain it into next season. And then we can we can look at, we can keep that, keep the good mood around the camp. So I think Steve, you know, it, it articulated that really well. Yeah, exactly. It's about finishing the season as strong as we possibly can, making sure this doesn't just peter out. Learn as much as we can about this system, as much as we can about these players and how they link together, all in preparation for having a good season next time out. So that's it, guys. That's uh, that's our review of today's game. It's been crazy. Plenty of talking points. Took up an hour and 40 minutes. Um, next up for Liverpool's Fulham on Wednesday, I believe. I think we are at home again. So yeah. that should be a different test. Um, Fulham put up a good fight against Man City, even though I thought they would just be, you know, most of their players would be on the beach already. But as I say, it will be a different type of test. Liverpool need to turn up and do their business. But uh, until then, we'll wait and see. Guys, in the chat, I've seen your comments come through all night. Appreciate you all being here with us. Some been some great conversations going on in the chat. Um, on your way out, hit the like button for us. Uh, it'd be much appreciated. But from us three tonight, we out of here. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.